Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Let's give Pastor Argy a warm welcome as he comes. All right. So the last few times I've been up here, we've been working through the paradoxes in the Bible. And I was kind of joking with the first service because when I came up with the concept of wisdom is better than strength to do the first one, and then we moved on to dying to live, and I thought, okay, and then humility lifts you up. I was like, these are pretty easy to put together. And then I got to this one, lost and found, and I was like, oh, it was a little bit more work to come up with the content without preaching the same message I already preached, but that's okay. God always shows us where we're supposed to go. So here's the thing with the paradox. These are these seemingly opposite statements that both are true oftentimes, and they're found consistently throughout the scriptures, but I believe that they often reveal the heart of God and how we should live as believers. So for instance, God sent Jesus down to earth to save mankind. But at the same time, he allowed mankind to crucify Jesus on the cross. Our king came down into a stable, not a palace. He wasn't born in a palace, he was born in a stable. I think it's God's way of suggesting that Jesus was going to come live in our hearts. And before Jesus came into your heart, what did your heart look like? (laughs) Stinky, smelly, full of excrement. (laughs) It was a pretty messy place before Christ came in and started changing some things around. So today... I want to talk to you about lost and found, and really we're going to start in Matthew chapter 10, and Jesus is giving his disciples some instructions. He's getting ready to send them out, and he's kind of giving them the pep talk. Anyone ever coach? You got your team, and you're getting ready to get your teams ready to go out there, so what does the coach do? They give them a pep talk. And usually you can tell how good a coach they are by how excited the players are when they get out on the field. If morale's really low, that's not a good indication. So Jesus is giving his disciples this pep talk. Now, realistically, what he was doing was he was preparing them to be persecuted, rejected, ignored, overlooked. Isn't that what happens sometimes when you go out with the message of the kingdom? I mean, how many of you... Okay, let's, let's change our gauge here. How many of you have preached to more than 10 people in your lifetime, and all 10 of them absolutely just accepted the message as soon as you opened your mouth and presented it to them? Because I know somebody was in here going, well, I'm one for one. (laughs) Awesome. You keep up that track record. So in Matthew 10, I'm going to go there for a second and kind of work through the chapter really fast. But see, Jesus starts and he says, look, I'm sending you out. I want you to 
raise the dead, heal the sick, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you've received. Don't take any money with you. Don't even take a change of clothes. Just kind of go and God will provide for you as you go along the journey. And then he's sending him out as sheep among wolves. He says, be harmless as doves and as shrewd as snakes. He talks about they're going to get flogged. They're going to stand trial before governors and kings. Sounds like the apostle Paul to me. <laughs> Boy, that guy fulfilled this all by himself. He's talking to us corporately that, you know, some of you are going to get flogged. Some of you are going to go to trial. Some of you are going to get persecuted. Some of you, this is going to happen. Paul, he had everything and, and more. He says, don't be afraid when they threaten you, for the time will come when everything covered will be revealed. Don't be afraid if they want to kill your body, they can't touch your soul. Everyone that acknowledges me publicly on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And then he makes these crazy statements. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. And if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And if you jump verse 39 in the Amplified, 38 and 39, and he who does not take up his cross expresses a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life in this world will eventually lose it. Through death, and whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is, life with me for all eternity. So we see Jesus is talking about finding and losing, and, and really, we have to come to the place where we listen to the gospel that Jesus preached. Because he preached a very different message than some people preach today. Not here, we preach a good gospel. But some people out there, they don't always preach the message that Jesus preached. Jesus preached a message, think about it, he had multitudes following him. <laughs> hey, if you could multiply a few loaves and fishes and feed everyone in the room, people would follow you too. <laughs> if you start raising up the lame and the walk and the blind see and the dead come back to life as a result of the ministry God's called you to, I assure you, people will want to be around you. But then Jesus makes these crazy statements to our natural man. It says, until you lose your life, you're not going to find life. And see, it went from the multitudes down to what? In one case, there was like 12 people left, his disciples. And he's like, are you guys going to leave too? Because it was a very hard message that talks about we have to lose ourselves so we can really find ourselves. And... This was interesting because this concept is not only found in the book of Matthew, it's found in the book of Mark, in the book of Luke, in the book of John, in the book of Acts, and several other places. It's not just in one of the Gospels, it's in all four of them. It's a very consistent message that Jesus preached to people. You see in Luke 17, he's talking, verse 33. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. 
you know, that has to do with preserving, preventing the death of your life. You know, sometimes we want to preserve our life and really what we need to do is surrender our life to Christ. Rescue from death. Hi, all of you watching us on live stream. I've got it up here on my iPad. I kind of got distracted a second. I was checking out, making sure I got the camera angles good and all that. So. In John chapter 12, verse 25, he's talking some more. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And 26 says, Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. If you want to follow Jesus, where are you supposed to be? Okay, you guys listened in first service. <laughs> Did you hear what they said? <laughs> you want to be where he is. If we're followers of Christ, we want to be where Jesus is. In Luke 9, 23, in Mark 8, I'm pretty sure it communicates quite clearly that we're not to be ashamed of the message about Jesus Christ. In fact, very clearly he states, if you're ashamed of me, I'm not even going to confess you before the Father. This is important that we understand this. Paul understood in Acts 20, verse 24, his life wasn't his own. His life didn't belong to him because he was willing to lay down everything that he thought he was supposed to do, and he was willing to follow God's plan. They even told him, if you go to Jerusalem, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get arrested. <laughs> you can end up dead. And Paul was like, I get it but God has called me to go and stand before the king and the emperor, and I'm going to go preach to them. His life was not his own. He understood that I'm going to lose this natural man life, but I'm going to gain eternal life. In Matthew 16, verse 24 to 28, Then Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory, and his Father will judge all people according to their deeds. You see, there's something here where Jesus is telling his followers not to come and be healthy and wealthy and happy all the time. In fact, if you come to God only to get, really it's the same as visiting a prostitute, selfish, and you totally miss the voice of the, the, whole, the whole message of the gospel. That's the truth. You treat deity like something that's very natural. The cross comes before the crown, suffering before glory, sacrifice before reward, you know, pain before gain. Losing comes before finding. 
Our drama team does a fantastic job of illustrating this. I'm going to call them out to the stage now. You're going to be blessed. Excuse me. Yep. Can you help me? I seem to have lost my nerve. Oh, okay. Uh, and you want it back? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, um, how would you describe to me what it looks like? Well, let me see. It's about this big. Oh, wow. That's a whole lot of nerve, girl. Yeah, I, I guess I could see why you'd want to have it back. Yeah, I kind of miss it. All right. Okay. Well, let me see. Hmm. 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 You miss your nerve. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry. How, how about you tell me when you lost it? Because I, oh. I just don't, I don't think It's I about have. the time that I met Jesus. At this church on Broadway in Young. Um, let me see, it's about a year ago today. Oh, a year ago today. Okay, that's really strange because I'm almost positive that someone turned into me a nerve a year oh. ago today. Oh. Here you go. Great, thank you. Yeah, except you gotta come back. <laughs> we work on an exchange system here. Okay, so like if I return to you the nerve that you lost, you've got to give back to me what you found when you lost it. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Really? It's the lost and found. So what it'll be? Can I think about it for a minute? Okay, just a minute, because my feet are killing me and I really need to go on break. So what do you plan on accomplishing with that nerve anyway? I mean, it looks kind of reckless. And I'm sure it got you into a whole heap of trouble before you lost it. You're right. But I'm thinking that if I keep it, and if I just have and hold it for some time, you'll feel it's better? It's help me, yeah. Do you, do you understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I kind of understand. Sure, I mean, there's a lot of people like you out there you know, they just want the comfort of knowing that they can hang on to, uh, to their life and have a little bit more control over it. I get it. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. Oh, lost and found. Oh, good. I think I've lost my mind. Oh, okay. Well, um, can you describe it to me? Well, it was, it was about that big. Oh, isn't that the cutest? Perfect. Maybe, maybe I just misplaced it. Oh, bother. This just isn't like me. Okay, okay, calm down. Calm okay. down. Okay. How about you try to remember when the la when you noticed, when you noticed it was missing? Uh, well, Monday morning when I woke up, it was gone. But you had it, it on gone. Sunday. Sunday. Sunday? Yeah. Sunday, I went to church. I went to my girlfriend's church, and you know what? That's when I gave it to Jesus, and he renewed it. So this isn't your mind. Well, there's a little resemblance. Okay, so do you want it back? Oh, heck no. Oh. I couldn't trust that thing as far as I could throw it. No, no, I have, I have so much more clarity. I just, so much faith. I have no more stress. All right, 
out, so I'll just close the case. Oh yeah, you can just throw away the key. Throw it away, <laughs> sure. I'll throw it away. Excuse me. Yes. I feel like I've lost my way. Let me guess. You lost it when you found Jesus? Yes! You have it? Um, okay, well, let me see. It might be in here somewhere. It's the strangest thing. I was told to take a U-turn and then go straight and then take a left. No, I was told to take a right. And you turned right? But nothing seems to be going on right for me. I mean, I've encountered so much opposition. This, this road I'm on, it just keeps getting narrower and more narrower and then even more narrowest and then more narrowest. Well, you know what they say. When the going gets tough, you just got to change direction. What did I? What? Oh, come on. Don't look so surprised. Oops. It happens to the best of people. I mean, you're traveling along your merry way, and the road seems to get a little rough, and you hit a bump in the road, and then the next thing you know, your faith gets shaken a little bit. So instead of trusting in the one who puts you on the straight and narrow in the first place, you try to take matters into your own hands and change direction. You know, you're right. You're right. Yep, I'm right. And guess what? I think I found your way. <laughs> you found it! She found it! <laughs> uh, are you sure you want it back? Of course I do! Why wouldn't I want it? <clears throat> What's the matter? <clears throat> you don't recognize it? No, no. <clears throat> I do, I do, I just don't remember it. Look. I don't remember it looking so bad. Well, there is a way that seems right to man, but in oh. the end... Leads to destruction. Yeah. Yes. So what'll it be? Your way or the higher way? You know, I think I'm... <clears throat> I think I'm gonna stay on the highway I've already been on. Thanks anyway. You keep it. All right, thanks. You'll be better for it. Oh, I will. I'm a winner. I win. I win. <sighs> win. Takes all kinds. Here you go. Oh, uh, so what's this? It's my nerve. There's a reason why I lost it in the first place. Uh, I see. So you're going to keep what you found? For sure. My life is so much better since I let Christ speak for me. Got it. So you're choosing to live by his spirit and not by your might or by your power? You got it. I got it. What the heck I'm going to do with all this stuff? Excuse me, miss. I lost my marbles. Actually, we do need to lose something. We need to lose the things that prevent us from growing to spiritual maturity. Because the things that prevent us from growing to spiritual maturity are going to prevent us from finding the things that we need to find in life. Our love for this world and the things of this world. What about our bad attitudes? 
How many of you put on your good attitude when you came to church today? I tell people all the time, we have cameras in the parking lot. It's awesome. (laughs) Wrong concepts of God. Do you think your good works will get you to heaven? What about all roads lead to the same place? All religions are trying to accomplish the same thing. Willful ignorance of the truth. Okay. What do you see here? Glass of water. How many of you see this glass and think, someone had to make the glass? Okay. How many of you think it magically appeared? Because we have another class for you just down the hall. If you look at the glass, you see that someone had to make it. Now, some of you might even know what it's made of or how it was made, but the truth is you look at the glass and you see that there is a creator to the glass. Now, if we apply the same evidence to, say, a human who is infinitely more complex than this glass, all of the evidence points to a creator. For someone to deny that there is a creator they are looking at the data and they are willfully choosing to ignore the logical conclusion. It's the same evidence. They come to different conclusions because of willful ignorance. Improper priorities. Everyone has their priorities in order? I know there's some of you that are going, you better stop preaching soon, preacher, because football's starting pretty soon and you're on your phone checking your fantasy lineup and it's all good. I just checked it. (laughs) Dan, you know, I'm playing you today a little later, so make sure you don't remember to check your lineup. It's okay. That guy that's out, you don't have to change him. Lack of self-discipline. We're self-disciplined, right? Things like reading our Bible and praying on a daily basis, really important. If you never open the book and read it, how are you going to know what it says? If you never pray and ask the Creator for some insight and direction into life, how are you ever going to get a word from God for your life? These things are hugely important, but if we don't have our priorities properly and our self-discipline in check, guess what? You're not going to grow to spiritual maturity. There was a movie that came out some years ago called The Good Lie, another paradox. It was a story of uh, Theo and Mamer, I think his name was. And, and it was about the war in Sudan. And the rebels came and they massacred a village and some children escaped. So Theo, being the older, kind of led his brother and another girl and then another couple of people came and they were trying to escape. And there came a point in their escape journey that a rebel patrol came by and they looked like they were going to get caught. So. Theo did something incredibly. He stood up and surrendered himself to the rebels and got conscripted into their army. But in doing that, that sacrifice, he allowed the other four to escape. Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth, clothed himself in human flesh, 
and lived among humans a sinless life. And he was crucified on a cross so that we could have a way back to God. But you know, the, the movie doesn't end there, just like the story of Christ doesn't end there. A little bit later, 13 years later, <laughs> Mamer and the other young people with him found their way over into America and they were getting resettled over here and he was actually even going to school to become a doctor. And he heard that his brother might be alive so he traveled back to Sudan against counsel and he went into the camp and he found his brother Theo who had sacrificed everything so that he could have freedom. And when it didn't work out for him to get all the paperwork for his brother to come back to America with him, he exchanged places with his brother, and his brother traveled back as him. Thus the good lie. But see, because his brother was willing to give up his life for him, he was willing to give up everything for his brother. Our Savior gave his life for us. Are you willing to give up everything for your Savior? So there was this great exchange that took place in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. It talks about this. I think I'm just going to read 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. What did we exchange? God took us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of... He took our love for the world, and what did he give us? Love for God. We take our cares now, and what do we do? We cast them. We take our pride, you know, the stuff we think we know about God and the stuff we think we know, and what do we do? We take on humility. My desires become his desires. My guilt and shame become what? Forgiveness and freedom. I told you. The love for the world will keep you from becoming spiritually mature. The next thing I said was the bad attitudes. And really, bad attitudes are exactly the opposite of the beatitudes that Christ gave us. We can be proud and self-sufficient. That sounds like the opposite of being poor in spirit like Jesus tells us to be. We can fail to see the suffering of others. Doesn't he say, blessed are those who what? They mourn. They can connect with and have compassion on the suffering of other people. Arrogance, harshness. We trade that for being meek. When we flaunt the things we don't need so we can build ourselves up so we look better than we think we are. As opposed to just hungering and thirsting for righteousness. There's people who are merciless as opposed to being merciful. Perverted, immoral, as opposed to being pure in heart. There's agitators and instigators. I've got my nerve. Or there's peacemakers. There's people that mistreat others and lie and gossip as opposed to being persecuted for what is right and when people speak evil of you. In both cases, our response is bless them and do nothing. Let the higher court settle it. Really, we have to lose our rights, our desires, our dreams, and surrender our life fully to God. This is what it means to be a disciple, and this is the message that Jesus consistently preached. You surrender your life, and you take on mine. 
I saw a New Age teaching some time ago, and they were talking about, you can only lose the parts of yourself that aren't real. They were close. You received a new nature at salvation. Anything that is not consistent with that new nature in your life, that's the stuff you need to lose. It's not the real you or the new you, it's the old you that you want to lose. Like I said, they were close. The new nature needs to be developed. In Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us that we're to be imitators of God. If you're imitating God, that's how you become like Him. That's how you take on His nature. That's how you take on His character. That's being a disciple. That's what God created us to do, to put down the flesh and to lose our sinful, selfish nature and all the behaviors connected to it. But what do true disciples find? We find peace. We find healing. We find freedom. We find deliverance. We find hope. We gain eternal life. There's love and there's joy, mercy, grace, forgiveness. The list goes on. See, what happens is when you exchange the old for the new, everything looks different. But so many times we're comfortable in the old and then we struggle. The great biblical paradoxes. Question for you, what have you lost? What have you found? Are you actively losing stuff today or do you think you've arrived? I'm still losing 34 years later. Now that I can do math. I hear things, you know, are you finding the things God has placed in your heart? If you're not hearing God speak to you, you probably need to lose some things. People say things like, oh, I'm not being fed at church, or I'm not connecting with the people there. Realistically, if you're not pretty new, you're spiritually immature because you should be feeding yourself every day. It's only babies that need to be spoon-fed. The Bible says, if you want to have friends, you show yourself friendly. So... If everyone can stand with me, I want to try to go into communion, but realistically, when we talk about the communion elements, you cannot follow Jesus on your terms. There's no way to do that. It's His terms. And so many people try to follow Jesus on their terms, and then they struggle. Because the truth is, God's not obligated to play by your rules. You're obligated to play by His. I'm going to do the bread. My wife's going to come up here with me, and she's going to do the cup in a second. But really, as we examine our hearts for a moment, as we look at the bread that's before us, Jesus came and His body was broken for us. He lost his life so we could find life. And as we lay down our old nature, our flesh, as we lay down those things that are most important to our flesh and take on the nature of Christ, 
That's when we're going to find true freedom. We started talking about that even in baptism. Why? Because there's a great exchange that takes place. So we have to put down the things that prevent us from becoming spiritually mature and grow up and become mature and get rid of the bad attitudes and get ourselves self-disciplined and let the character of Christ form in us. So Father, I thank you for the bread that represents our freedom and our healing, mind and body. And at the cross, Lord, it was the great equalizer and the great exchange took place. And we lost ourselves, but we found eternal life in you. So I thank you for the freedom that you purchased for us. And as we die to ourselves and put the flesh down and crucify ourselves daily, as the Apostle Paul talks about, I thank you that your life is rising up within us and we're finding eternity. We're finding your peace, your love, your joy, and your overwhelming sense of goodness and mercy that you've graced all of us with. So we partake now in faith in Jesus' name. In the beginning, when God first created Adam and Eve, it was not so that he can lord it over them and to have his way with them. It was for relationship. It was because he wanted to fellowship with his creation. He loved them. So when they sinned, something was lost. And it was relationship with the Father. So it's really important that we understand that when Jesus died on the cross, the end result, the end of all of that was, yes, he forgave us of our sin. Bondages were broken. We were set free. Liberty, healing of all of those things. But it was with the beginning in mind. So it was the end, but we have the beginning in mind. The beginning was, the word of God says, it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. So what was the joy? It was you, and you, and you, it was me, it was Pastor RJ. You are the joy that was set before God. So it wasn't for the sin. It's the sin that's the wall. The sin is the barrier. But Jesus came for relationship. He came because he loved you. He came because he wants to spend eternity with you for relationship, for fellowship. So it's really important when we receive the blood, the cup, that we remember it's not just because of sin that he went to the cross. That's a byproduct. That's the end. But it was because the joy, you, that was set before him, that he endured all of that. So, Father, as we receive this morning your cup in remembrance of all that you did for us, that we come before you and we thank you that you are the one who restored what was lost. You are the one who restored relationship, that we can each and every one of us have personal relationship with you. So I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you that each of us would recognize and realize the great price that you paid. I thank you that we were the joy set before you, that we could have eternal relationship and eternal fellowship with you, not just in heaven, but Father, we can have it now. We can have fellowship with you now. So I thank you, God, that we would receive the cup and embrace it. And that we realize that today, 
we can have that relationship with you today. We can have intimacy with you, and today we can know you as Father. So thank you, God, for all that you've done for us as we receive the cup in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We'll see you next time.